Warning! What's coming up is the second Escape Pod Metacast. We're going to present a progress report on the podcast, talk about some things coming up, and ask for your feedback. You may find this boring. If you do, feel free to skip this. You won't hurt my feelings. We'll be back with more stories on Thursday. Same bad time, same bad channel. Hello, and welcome to Escape Pod Metacast number 2, for May 8th, 2006. I'm Steve Ely, but if you're listening to this, you already knew that. I've been promising another Metacast since, I think, February. Several times I've sat down to start on writing one, but I've never managed to make it through without being interrupted. I'm sure it's obvious to most of you that I pre-script my material. I've never been that good at extemporaneous podcasting, and it takes a long time to write this stuff. And life for me has been, well, a little over full these past few months. It's been barely all I can do to keep getting one story out every week. Anyone who sent me email or still has a story in the submissions queue or is still waiting on a collector's CD knows how far behind I've fallen and everything else. I'm sorry about that. I am happy to say that it's changing. As of May 12th, this Friday, I'm leaving my old suit and tie job. And my new day job is one that'll have me working from home with more time to devote to keeping all of Escape Pod caught up. My new work is with a company called Podcast Ready. They offer one of the easiest ways to download podcasts and keep them synced from one computer or MP3 player to the next. You can even buy those little Mobi cube-shaped MP3 players from Target that have the software pre-installed on them. If you want to know more, go to podcastready.com. And that's the end of my plug for them. I just want to assure you that that won't get in the way of Escape Pod. In fact, my new boss is a fan of the show, so I might get in trouble with him if I don't continue to produce an excellent podcast. How's that for incentive? So that's me personally. Life is good, and it keeps getting better. How's Escape Pod doing? Also very good. Tracking podcast audiences is still more superstition than science, since there are so many ways to count downloads and subscribers. I'm partial to the feed burner number which counts the number of unique applications that hit the RSS feed in 24 hours. When I last did one of these in September, I was delighted to report that we just reached a subscriber peak of 1,218. Since then, a lot's happened. We've gotten coverage from Jim Kelly's column in Asimov's Magazine, twice, and we've been talked about by Cory Doctorow on Boing Boing a few times, and I even had a very brief interview on NPR. Oh, and we got featured with the top banner ad on iTunes. That didn't hurt. For those podcasters among you who want to know how to get that, I have no idea either. Someone just sent me an email one day and said it was happening. Most of that stuff happened in January and February. Not coincidentally, our subscribership also peaked in February, touching about 4,900. Since then, the circulation's dropped off a bit, and for the past couple months, we've been living at around 3,800. Again, that only counts subscribers to the feed. It's much lower than the number of downloads. We track those, too and we found that after a month, the typical number of downloads from unique addresses on each file is around 7,000. If you haven't subscribed yet, and you want to automatically get the latest Escape Pod episodes, go to our site at escapepod.org and click How to Subscribe for a few easy ways to do it. In terms of funding, we're doing fairly well, too. Right now, our sole means of support continues to be listener donations. 
and you all have been extremely generous in helping Escape Pod keep going. Our average monthly income, with your help, has been in the vicinity of about $600 a month. It was a bit higher prior to February, when I was asking people to donate every week. It's a little lower now. Now, that is an amazing figure, but it's not the sort of profit you might think at first. You have to consider that we spend roughly $300 a month on acquiring new stories, and I've got a few people on paid staff helping with submissions and communication. Right now, paid staff means about $20 a week, so it's pretty close to the goodness of their hearts. If there's any left over at the end of the month, we put it into savings, either for equipment purchases to upgrade our sound quality or for marketing. I still haven't made any money personally off of Escape Pod. Everything you donate is going back into the podcast. So, life is good for listener growth and donations. It's been good enough, in fact, to set some specific goals for doing better. I might as well stick my neck out and share those with you, too. By this time next year, on our second anniversary, it's our goal to have 20,000 subscribers to our podcast feed. We also hope to keep raising our story payment rates as budgets allow, and by the end of 2007, we intend to pay pro rates for stories. That's five cents a word, or if you figure an average of 5,000 words, 250 bucks a story. That would put Escape Pod in the top tier of fiction markets, and pretty much guarantee us our choice of the absolute best fiction being written. Along the way, I'd also like to begin paying the people helping us something closer to reasonable, and have a real budget for expenses. To make those two goals, we need to bring in about $2,000 a month, roughly four times our current amount. If possible, at some point I'd like to begin paying myself as well, but that's third priority. The podcast is already giving me opportunities to make money in other ways, so even if I never make a dollar directly from it, I don't intend to quit. That's not to say it wouldn't be nice. So these are very ambitious goals. The audience growth goal we intend to achieve by doing some serious marketing this year. Some of that will be in content delivery. I mentioned last week that we've got agreements to run at least four out of five of the Hugo nominee short stories. We're still working on the fifth one. And that's something we hope to keep doing each year. And we're working all the time to connect with some of the biggest names in science fiction and get better and better stories. And we'll have more of those each week and a wider array of features. We'll also be at a good number of conventions this year. Balticon and DragonCon, and most of all, Worldcon. By the way, we're planning something incredibly cool for Worldcon. Something really big and fun. But it's not 100% final yet, so you'll just have to wait to hear more about that. And we'll be doing some advertising. And we'll be getting some promotional stuff out. That's something I'm hoping to ask some of you to help me with. And if all goes well, I'll have more to say on that in a few weeks. And, of course, our best marketing is, and always will be, word of mouth. If you're enjoying Escape Pod, please tell people about it. Let your friends know on your blogs, at work or school, wherever somebody might want to hear a good science fiction story. And if you have other ideas on how to get the word out, or if we can help you with it, please let us know. How we'll meet our financial goals is a bit tougher, and I'll get to that in a minute. First, I need to eat some of my prior words. Last September, when I did the first Metacast, I said that we were looking into incorporating Escape Pod as a non-profit, though I couldn't promise anything. Well, we did look into it. I got some training, I put together a great board of advisors, and we consulted with an accountant. And after a lot of soul-searching, we decided not to go the non-profit route, at least for now. There are a few reasons for this. One is that the bureaucracy involved really is heavy. It's more cost and paperwork than we can justify at our present level. 
A more important reason is that as nonprofits grow, you have to start separating the board of directors, the ones who make the high-level decisions, from the day-to-day stuff. And while I'm glad I can make Escape Pod a team effort, and I want to reward the people who are helping with it, I don't want to step away from the strategic helm. I also don't want to step away from day-to-day doing this. Is that selfish of me? Maybe, but it's the way it is. This podcast is my passion. I'll share it, but I'm not ready to let go of it. And as a non-profit, that would always be a risk on the horizon. We did, however, incorporate, as a for-profit sub-S corporation, for those of you who know your legalese. We're now going by the name of Escape Artists Incorporated. I thought it was cool. This gives us some needed legal protection, and a structured way for me to share some of the ownership with the other people on the team. If those of you who've donated to us in the past are upset that we're not going non-profit with the tax consequences from that, you have my apologies. I'd appreciate your letting me know how you feel, and if you ask, I'll be happy to refund your donation. And again, I want to emphasize, it's not about anybody getting rich at the expense of your donations. We're a science fiction magazine. Ask any other science fiction publisher if they're in it for the money. Then time how long it takes for them to stop laughing. So, if we're technically a for-profit company, how are we going to make our money moving forward? That's an excellent question. To tell the truth, I'm not completely sure of the answer. Right now, we're 100% listener-supported, and that's worked very well for us so far. Will we be able to keep it up? Will it scale so that when we have 20,000 listeners, we'll be making more than we are now and we can keep growing? I really don't know. I do know that while we're doing okay today is the time to start thinking about tomorrow. So, this is the part I'd like your opinion on. We're looking at a few options right now. One is to keep asking for donations as we have been, probably mentioning it more often again in the podcast, and bringing people's attention to the monthly $5 subscription button on the site. We haven't had many people take advantage of that yet, but from those who do, it really makes a huge difference to us. Another possibility that some of our advisors brought up was not emphasizing the donations all the time, but instead having a sort of pledge drive once a year or so, like public radio. We come up with something for everyone who gave during that month or before that month, whether it's CDs or T-shirts or books or, well, something. This is how public radio works here in the U.S., but I think we can promise to be less annoying, because we'll remember that you all have a fast-forward button. Another idea, the potentially controversial idea, is advertising. Now, I want to make absolutely clear where we're coming from on this. Escape Pod has already turned down offers for advertising. There was one that would have made us a fair amount of money, but it was a short-term run on something that had nothing to do with science fiction. And I didn't want to jeopardize my relationship with you by making our very first ad something that most of you wouldn't care about. So if we do ads at all, and right now we aren't committed one way or the other, but if we do them, we will only consider ads that are either produced by us or tastefully done for things that we think make sense for Escape Pod's audience. It has to be a deal that would have value for us, value for the sponsor, and value for you, the listener. Otherwise, it's just not worth it to us, since we've already shown we can get by without ads. So that's why we have yet to accept an ad offer. We're not philosophically opposed to it. Actually, quite the opposite. A predictable advertising revenue stream would enable us to grow faster than a donations model would. And, well, this may sound stupid or it may not, but I feel a lot more comfortable about the potential of future profits if I knew those profits were coming from companies and not from all of you. 
We've had a few donations from kids and people without jobs and people who seriously had to sacrifice to be able to send us a few dollars. That's very humbling. And one reason I haven't paid myself yet is that I can't bring myself to divert that sort of money to personal ends. But if it's money from a business transaction and it's just a matter of providing value, well, that doesn't quite have the same onus, if you know what I mean. Anyway, it's all academic for now but I want to let you all know what's on the table and find out what you think. If anyone listening to this has something you'd like to advertise, feel free to email us at editor at escapepod.org and we'll talk further. For now, I'm just going to think of it as a theoretical. And if it had caused us to lose touch with our listeners, it's not going to happen. So those are the major paths. I suppose some combination is possible. Maybe donations and a little bit of advertising, or maybe pledge drives and public radio-style corporate sponsorships, or maybe there's a great idea we haven't thought of yet. If you have any suggestions, please drop us a line and let us know. We've also put up a new survey on our site, again, escapepod.org, for you to tell us which of the ideas we've been talking about you'd prefer. If you get a moment, please leave us your thoughts. It's two mouse clicks. As always, our goal is to keep bringing you great stories, and eventually pay more for them for even better stories. However we're funded, I'll always think of this as a community effort. Oh, just so nobody suggested, one model we will not consider is a subscription model where only the people who pay get all the stories, and the free feed has fewer stories or teasers or anything along those lines. I've had people try to talk me into that. It's not going to happen. One of my prime motivations for this is to get more people interested in short fiction. To do this, we need to reach as wide an audience as possible. As soon as you put up a price barrier, most of the audience falls away. If it comes down to it, I'd rather have lots of listeners and no money than fewer listeners and lots of money. Also, I'm something of a loud idealist when it comes to podcasting growth and to the Creative Commons model. I really believe in these things, and I have to practice what I preach. So, we're open to any ideas for bringing in funds, except charging for fiction. Period. Stop. Whew. I think that just about covers it. Again, your opinions do matter to us, so if you have any comments, suggestions, praise, or outrage, please send them our way. You really are what this is all about. And if you made it this far, I want to reward you. At least, I'll call it a reward. With a bonus piece of flash fiction. I had this sent to me back in October by Rob Graber, a longtime Escape Pod supporter. His comment in his cover letter was... This work has not been published anywhere else. In fact, as you will see, it almost couldn't be. If you've been listening back since the beginning of Escape Pod, or caught up on our archives, you'll enjoy the Easter eggs. If not, trust me, they're funny. So what the hell? It's meta-story time. EPN Plus One, by Rob Graber. Trojak slid along the metal edge of the spaceport perimeter wall, trying his level best not to be seen. Through the window on his left, he could see row after row of ships, ready to blast spaceward at the command of their owners. One was his. Five more minutes and he would be back on it, and, in ten more after that, safely out of the godforsaken gravity well. He wished, not for the first time, that he'd never had to come here. As he looked out, contemplating his next move, a bolt of sun-hot plasma scorched over his right shoulder and into the plexiform window port, close enough to burn, but not so close as to cause him any damage. Trojak wheeled around and came face to face with a Pedoran, a brace of nanoblasters held in the third and fifth of his septuplet abdominal appendages. So, Trojak, 
Going somewhere in a hurry, are you? His mandibles clacked and echoed in the metal hallway. The smell of melted plexiform was overwhelming. Tange, damn it, Trojak thought. Why can't a guy catch a break? No, Natag, just out for a little walk to clear my head and then right back to the conclave. Your boss can be a very persuasive sentient when it suits him, and I surely don't want to disappoint him. He knew Natag wasn't buying any of this, but it might just buy him some time. He allowed himself a glance back out of the melted spaceport window, hoping for a quick way out of his predicament. What he saw caused him to double, and then triple take. Slowly, but inexorably, the spaceships were morphing, changing from towering metal cylinders into small round trailers. Each one had the words, Burger Pod, on its side. What the hell? He spun back to look at Natag and saw that where his triple-jointed mandible had been only moments before, a full-fledged duck bill was protruding. He looked like a damn platypus or something. Would you notice if I was replaced by an alien? The Padoran lisped. The twin weapons were still trained on Trojak's midsection, but now there were quarterstaffs. Next to him, a young damsel had appeared, hovering in midair. This was too much. What the hell was happening to this story? This was supposed to be typical space opera stuff. Your standard mercenary space cowboy actually has a heart of gold kind of thing. Get him! He's got the egg! The damsel shouted, and they charged. He threw himself to the ground, rolled, and was up again running. Overhead, a maternal and slightly perturbed voice was coming from the speaker array. Trojak! Trojak, Unni Clark, you get back here this instant! That's the third window you've broken this week! Who's going to pay for that? Money doesn't grow on trees, you know. It occurred to him that the story was being hijacked, taken over by a new author, and a bad one at that. He ran down the corridor. Natag and the girl followed. Damn it. Someone was taking over the story and messing with its basic premise, mixing in elements of other worlds, other realities. Maybe whoever it was had a plan. It almost made sense but Trojak had no idea what possible connecting thread there could be to all of this. He rounded a corner and froze. The passage was completely blocked by a floor-to-ceiling snowdrift. Along either side, and apparently in no great hurry, were ranks of snow-shoveling robots. Each was accompanied by a happy, if somewhat exhausted-looking, young woman. Maybe they would clear the way eventually, but there was no time to wait. Natag was still following. Trojak reversed course and doubled back the way he had come. I really don't approve of the sort of people you are associating with, young man. The story had been going on for, what, 650 words now? If it was a flash, that meant he didn't have much time left. He hoped it was a regular story. That would give him a little longer. Perhaps long enough to figure a way out. Then, suddenly, horribly, a new thought struck him, and he knew it was true. He knew it with a kind of sick certainty that came when the author was too inept to introduce his ideas in a more sophisticated way. He stopped running. There was no point, really. Natag had stopped as well. The damsel, apparently having stayed behind to help with the shoveling, was nowhere to be seen. Trojak realized that ultimately his fate, indeed the fate of his entire universe, rested not in Natag's hands, not in the hands of this amateur god-wannabe that had stolen the world, not even in the hands of the demigod Ely. There was another still, a person whose interest was vitally, terminally important. The real god. The listener. The unnamed, unknown listener, whose attention was now in the control of some hack wannabe author with one silly gimmick. 
The horrible realization came to Natog at exactly the same moment. Why not? And they both turned their eyes upward to some unknown, indeed unknowable place in the not space above them. The place they imagined the listener to be. What if he lost interest? What if he just stopped? Once again, thank you all for listening to our Metacast. Thanks, as always, to Daikaiju. This time for the use of their tracks, The Phasing Spider Menace, the live mixes of Incognito, Son of Daikaiju, and Rising Up from the Depths of Time. You can find them, of course, at daikaiju.org, and you should. We'll see you again on Thursday with the first of our Hugo-nominated stories. Until then, have fun. <laughs>